Okay, hello and welcome uh, back to episode five of CC Talks. We're uh, back at our normal time um, and our normal venue. So we're uh, over in the Black Line and um, we're looking forward to a yeah cracking uh, cracking show. We've got um, Guinness in hand. Well, I've got Guinness in hand, half a Guinness. Uh, James has got a pint of water with uh, some ice because he's, um, uh, uh, yeah, and he's got a, a valid reason. He's having a, a cycle sportif uh, tomorrow. Um, how, how many? hundred and... Five kilometres. Five. It'd be tough. Hundred and five. No, just five. Five kilometres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As if. I know it's a long yeah. one. Hundred and thirty-five. Hundred and thirty-five. Okay. So where you respect it's uh, it's good. It's first one right. of the season. <laughs> yeah, it is. I know. And you've been hey, you've been training hard. I've been trying to help uh, when I haven't been falling off. But uh, yeah, no, it's good. And uh, you'll report back next week. I will on uh, on your success. So uh, good. Anyway, we've had a busy week uh, both in and outside the office. We've uh, obviously on the football front. In summary. Well, Liverpool won, City won, Tottenham lost to Chelsea. Um, not this one, but uh, Chelsea. We're going to come on to that later on in the uh, in the show. And uh, it's now looking, obviously, with that loss for Tottenham, it's looking like a two-horse race. Uh, but uh, it's going to be an interesting one, an exciting one. So uh, it'll be down to the uh, the final whistle. And uh, and then we're going to also discussing this uh, this show here, capital raising as normal. Um, a lot been happening in the sponsorship world and branding. Obviously, City have signed a new deal or on with signing a new deal with Puma, which is a big one, so we'll come on to that. Quantitative analysis, we've got, uh, obviously, the, the quant is now in, uh, and uh, the guys have been running it on Kante, so James is going to go through that. And then uh, commercial analytics. So we're going to be talking, and Chelsea, we've been having a chat through the week with the office just on social media, and it's really coming to the forefront. So we're going to be looking at the social media impact, uh, obviously driving uh, and helping clubs with their global presence. And uh, obviously, there's great examples of that with uh, last week's game with uh, Man City Chelsea. So uh, uh, we'll uh, be back on uh, track, and we'll be starting with capital raising. Great, capital raising. Uh, next, uh, next topic. Yeah. Now, interesting. In any business, football business is exactly the same. Mm. Capital raising normally falls into one of three things: either debt finance, mm-hmm. equity investment, or revenues. Right. So generating revenues. Now, on that last bit, been a good week for City. Obviously, they won the, the League Cup. But off the field, it's been a good week for driving revenues because they've done the Puma deal. They have. Yeah, cracking deal as well. And that's across the whole whole football group, isn't it? It's yeah, I think group. New York City isn't... Uh, New York City FC is not involved because that's a franchise and the MLS has Adidas as its, as its kit supplier. Um, I don't think the Japanese club is included either, but I think all the other ones are, including the new Chinese club. Mm, Okay, no, it's good. It's good deal. It's good deal, and it also puts them on a par with you know getting up there with Manchester United and and obviously the other ones. Yeah, but the the interesting thing about Man United mm. is that you can have a a big deal with Manchester United, but it's with Manchester United. Yeah, correct. So, okay, it's a worldwide brand, but you know this is where the City Football Group model is different. Where they want to have, they have a big brand which is Manchester City. Mm. Get, you know, keeps getting bigger in terms of the Deloitte survey. Yeah. Um, but they also have all these other sub brands or sister brands around the world. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if Puma are with you know the Uruguayan club, if Puma are with Manchester City, if they're with Melbourne, mm. um, then they're getting exposure worldwide. Mm. And doing it that way rather than just relying on one brand that happens to be based in the northwest of England to try and generate interest in Adidas or Nike or Puma in this case mm. um, around the world. So it's a, it's a really interesting deal. It's, it's almost the first worldwide kit supplying deal 
um, in sports. Yeah, and it, and it maximises all their efforts in picking up these you know relationships in the clubs with you know not just eyeballs, but these are physical you know people that go into the academies. You know, it's more of an engagement, as you say. What did uh, what did the chief executive say, uh, Chelsea? Yeah, well, I mean, kind of echoing what James has been saying. Really, he's just said that it's going to reset the model for sports partnerships on a truly global scale. Yeah, um, and uh, and I think the, you know, the obviously for Puma, you know, Puma uh, have, have thought hard and, and looked at this because you know, they're going through and Puma's. I mean, they they made a quote was maximising on-field performance as well as football culture in areas such as music, gaming, fashion, you know, to connect and inspire the fan base of each team. So that's what they're looking at. They're looking at a more you know, relationship model rather than just eyeballs, which they can get through Premier League. They're looking for a, a, a bigger connection, but able to then roll off other than just sports kit, roll off other offerings that they can have. Um, so it's again, and we'll, we'll talk, I mean, we'll talk a little bit later on about the commercial analytics we've been doing. So, um, so no, it's been a, an interesting one. And at the same time, I think a, a report came out, they're putting uh, Nike uh, top of the pile on the, uh, on for these are gro- global apparel brands. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's massively in first place. Um, it's been valued at $32.4 billion dollars. Um, with Adidas coming in at third at 16.7 billion so a kind of a, a big difference there really um, between the two yeah and it's uh, you know and it was inter- it was an interesting uh, list on there because it was obviously I think H&M came into it so it's not just shoes yeah, which obviously Zara. relates to, to, to Nike uh, it's, it's, it's everything it's the apparel so uh, and we shouldn't uh, lose sight of the fact as well that whilst the City deal looks interesting and is clearly a big deal mm-hmm. I think it's the third biggest in, in, in football yeah the one that's miles ahead of anything is the Nike deal with Barcelona, which I think is about 155 million um, euros a year. Wow, which so that's is, broken through the yeah. billion, the billion. Yeah. Like, my, my, yeah. One of my questions was, yeah. who's going to be the club that yeah. breaks through so, the million? Yeah, I, I, don't, I can't remember how long that deal is. So, you know, if it was 10 years, then it would be, but it might be, might be a shorter period. But that's how much it is a year, about 155 yeah. uh, million euros. Wow. Okay, well, we've been talking about Chelsea during the, uh, the podcast and... Uh, we're moving now on to one of their players, uh, Kante, and the quantitative analysis. So, James, I know you've been working with the quad team and uh, working out what's uh, what's been happening. Yeah, they, it, it's interesting. I suppose we should probably just uh, remind everybody what our quant work is all about and what it does, particularly in relation to players. What it's supposed to do is it's trying to uh, provide some objective understanding of how good a player really is. Because, as we know, you know players are bought and sold based on a whole host of subjective mm. decisions in football. Um, and so we started this analysis when we were acting for prospective purchasers of football clubs. Yeah. And they wanted to understand how they could best value players. Mm. And so we came up with two values, an intrinsic value, which is in simple terms, his value in use, what he actually does to contribute to his team winning football matches. And then obviously an estimated market value. Yeah. Um, and if the estimated market value is much higher than the intrinsic value, then that might suggest that you sell the player. But mm. you then got to bring another one in, ideally with a high intrinsic value and a, a low market value. So, and we've developed it massively over over the last uh, four or five years since we first started doing it. And what we've done is we've we've had a look at Kante because Kante's been um, in the news quite a bit over the last few weeks. Um, he's playing in a more advanced position under Sarri than he right. did in these pre- previous two seasons at Chelsea and, mm. and certainly his season before that at Leicester. Um, and people are saying that he's playing out of position, he's not as effective. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in, in, in very simple, the long and the short of it, in simple terms, um, we've run the quant and we actually think he is 
more effective in the advanced position right. he's playing this year. He's really? actually contributing more to Chelsea winning football matches than he was doing in the previous two seasons when he was playing a slightly more defensive midfield position. Wow. Mm. So it, it shows you that you know that what you think you see with your eyes yeah. is is not necessarily the case. And what we should do, I think, is we'll we'll put the analysis up uh, on our website and on, on our social media. So if people go to yeah, www.carteraycapital.com or carteraanalytics.com, um, we'll put it up there. They'll be able to see it, and they'll be able to see exactly how we've 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 done the analysis and what it shows. But it's it's a perfect example of. You know the pub talk being that Kante's out of position is not as effective, but actually yeah. he's more effective yeah. this year than or this season than he has been in the previous two seasons. So maybe Sarri's got something. You know, maybe Sarri can see something in Kante that he couldn't see in his goalkeeper that had cramp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So talking of Kepa, we had uh, obviously his uh, his reluctance to leave the pitch last week in the uh, Chelsea City uh, final, wasn't it, the Caribou Cup? Yeah. Of course, City won, which is great, Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Another win, another trophy. Um, and everybody should have been talking about City, but they weren't. They were talking about Chelsea. I know, I know. It just shows the power, doesn't it, of social media. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting with that, Steve, is you know, we were talking about that really interesting article by Marina Hyde in The Guardian in mm. the office the other day. Mm. It's essentially the idea that with the rise of social media, football isn't now just a TV event. It's a social media event too. So, you know, back in the day when people used to go just to watch their teams play, that's not what we see anymore. We see the build-up of kind of the feuds and the issues in the, in the social media and in, in the press. And kind of, like James has just said, you know, City won the Cup, but everybody's talking about Chelsea. And it just shows the importance of social media and how clubs need to grab that to promote their back brand. And, you know, it's that idea, isn't it, that all press is, is good press, whether it's bad or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's think about how many people are talking about that two-and-a-half-minute clip where he refused to get off, get off the pitch. How much of kind of brand awareness has that brought for Chelsea and for its sponsors? Sure. No, it's it's interesting. Also, we were talking talking earlier we were with some clients during the week about um, you know it's shifted now. Obviously, the younger generation they're not going to you know they look for some moments or clips or, or or events that have happened. But of course, now it's not just about the team; it's about the individual players. So the players in their own right are becoming. They've always been you know celebrities, but now they're becoming. You know, icons that they follow not just on the pitch but off the pitch so the social media um, content is growing you know exponentially every every time and of course whenever there's an event like this you're right people are going to be talking that's how more footage still is going on because obviously Chelsea played you know he was put on the bench uh, sorry put him onto the bench so you know the story continues so to speak so it only took him about four days to actually get him onto the bench well right? yeah I know it was because <laughs> after the event they then came back and said because um, I didn't watch it again, I was listening on the radio. But after the event, you know, after the press conference, he came back and he'd be probably I don't know two or three hours after the thing with a with an explanation that he, he thought he had cramp, and that's why he was wanting to get him off. And I mean, yeah, I don't know whether uh, uh, it was just yeah, it just didn't seem didn't seem real. And uh, but it seems to be all smoothed out, fine, and he's been put on the bench. I guess you've got to decide how you value the social media bonus. From this because mm. obviously you know they've had this this uplift uh, I mean we've got the ability you know part of our commercial analytics work to to understand what the value is for you know, for brands mm-hmm. yep. in, in terms of how this might affect decision making for consumers and consumers in this case are those people 
that are you know, somehow attached to Chelsea yeah. in this case, yeah. um, whether it's social media followers, whether it's eyeballs on TV, whether it's people on the Chelsea database. Um, it's not easy, but you know, it's, it's not something that you would take into account when you actually um, enter into the, the commercial contract you know, between the main sponsor mm. and the club. Mm. But events like this are yeah. gold dust. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> it really is something that they need to take advantage of because there is a direct correlation between an increase in social media presence and in increase in club presence and therefore better partnerships, which result in greater revenues. I mean, look at Liverpool when they released their figures for, for the previous year. Um, they said that they had a 14% growth across their social media platforms, taking their total, total amount of followers to 60 million. The back in May 2018, they had the highest viewing figures on YouTube for any Premier League club and the highest viewing figures, sorry, the third highest viewing figures for any sports club. Wow. And that resulted in eight new partnerships, mm. you know, commercial revenues increased by 17 million to 154 million. So we really do see the benefit of this. Although you, you've got to, you, you know, you've got to be able to draw a direct analogy between the two. So, you know, whilst their revenues went up by 17 million to, what do you say, 154 million? Yeah. Um, how much of that is due to them increasing the number you know their their social media followers going up by 14 percent can they can they actually show a direct correlation between the two or are there other factors at play here is it the fact that they their performance on the pitch has improved over mm. the last couple Champions of years League, yeah. um so you know the you know commercial contracts and entering into commercial partnerships is still very subjective and on both sides, you know, the brands don't fully, you know, we talked about this last time about the Lord Lieberhoom yeah. point that 50% of advertising works, you just don't know which 50%. And it's still a bit like that, you know, and, you know, the club is thinking, well, we've got more followers, so that's got to give us more value. But, you know, how much of that is actually, you know, leading to the 17 million increase? It's, it's, it's well, it's difficult to, to tell, although, you know, we would say that we, we can actually, we can actually do that. But mm. a lot of clubs are doing it and just assuming that one thing is leading to another. It's not always the case. And another Chelsea connection this week to sponsorship, or ex-Chelsea connection, is, of course, our, our friend Mourinho, um, who seems to be signing more sponsorship deals personally than Man City, Man United and Liverpool put together. Um, he, he's, he's signed another one this, this week, hasn't he? He has, I can't keep yes. Up with he's been announced as a new global ambassador for DAZN, um, as well as Neymar, actually. Um, which is a subscription video streaming service um, which is already available in a few countries, Japan, Switzerland, Germany, Italy, the US, but they've said that part of their kind of next step in their global strategy is to launch into Spain, hence signing Mourinho. Mm, um, yeah, good one. So yeah, is this, is this the Mourinho minute, guys? I think it's got it, it's count as a moving. It does, moving. Yeah. We're yeah. on. Right, Slightly then. more than a minute, though, but yeah. Yeah, well, it usually is with Mourinho. That <laughs> <laughs> can't be the only thing he's done this week. No, you're right, it isn't. Yeah. Oh, was it? Oh. So, speaking of What's he been saying? Um, I mean, he's he's currently on the hunt for, for a new club. Um, it's talks that he's he's definitely looking to sign on to a new club by the, by the new season. Um, and he's kind of there's been a few things going around. So he's got a few requirements. So he said that he needs a club that has a strong sense of cultural empathy to help him cope with the demands of the modern footballer, um, where player power heavily influences the game, and he doesn't want to have any internal conflicts with the club. Um, That's interesting. Mm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think you know it's interesting. I mean, so he's looking. He's still looking for a challenge. He's still looking for a challenge. He, yeah. But you know, he, he's been a you know. A lot of people have intimated that his, his, you know, his, his ego gets in the way and what he's 
what he found at Man United is that you know he wasn't getting his own way with you know Pogba and people of that sort of nature. If you believe what you read and certainly listen to one or two people closer to the the, the, the sort of uh, the dressing room, but he's you know has he still got something to offer in football? Is the is the big question, and if he has. Where's he going to come into? Because if he comes into one of the top clubs, you know, PSG's being muted, there's one or two others, you know, is that going to be a, you know, a challenge to him? What, what, what can he prove there? Well, you were speculating, we'll, we'll yeah. talk about this in a week, you were, yeah. specu- you were saying uh, he probably wouldn't because, you know, you know, Espirito Santo is still there and, he's, he, and obviously he's doing a brilliant job at Wolves. But mm. you mentioned, because obviously there's the George Men's connection yeah. to Wolves and, you know, the, the sort of a Portu- you know, very strong Portuguese connection. You mentioned, you know, would he go to somewhere like Wolves? And, and you know, because we were, we were is that really what he wants to do? Because you could almost argue Benitez did that when he went to Newcastle. Know, They're going I to, know. you know, a big club, but this is a new challenge. We're going to take them to the top. We're going to get them in the top six. And look how that's ended up. You, yeah. know, you know, Benitez is still an incredibly good manager. Yeah, I think he's um, kept, he's but, kept his credibility. He would, yes, he has. But has he kept... Uh, you know, do people still perceive him as being one of the top European managers mm, now? Mm, mm. You know, PSG. You know, a few years ago, he would have been in the shout in the shout for going to PSG. Yeah, yeah. Would PSG take him now if they were going to change the manager? After, no, you have two no, cool goes at the end of the. No, they're not, are they? Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's lost that. He's lost. So, so somebody like Mourinho going to Wolves, whilst you can kind of see a bit of a connection, it's just I can't well, see that. Yeah, but it, okay. So what you got to look at is where, you know. It's not about the money, clearly. You know, he's made enough out of being fired for <laughs> five years or yeah, whatever that's it is. Right. Um, you know, and that's probably a bit hard, but you know, you know what I mean. What it is 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 where the challenge is left for him. Mm. You know, where can he go to try and win back? Um, not respect. Respect's the wrong word. Ring back in his own right. I'm talking more about him as a person. What has he got left to prove? You know. He, some people have said, will he take over a, you know, an international role? Um, uh, but I still think he wants the, 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 the club football. What he hasn't done, I don't think, is, is changed with the times. That now, you know, and we were talking in the office earlier on, you, know, you look at Mourinho, how he lost, uh, allegedly lost the changing room or didn't get the respect from certain players. You know, but those, those are, every player now is a multimillionaire and a very powerful figure. They have their own sort of you know, following and get that sort of... But we then said, but yeah, but look at Pep. Pep's dealing, you know, Pep Guardiola is dealing exactly with the same, well, same players, they're multimillionaires and everything else. Does he have any hassle, any, any you know, dis- discord in the change room? No. And, and so this is what, you know, for me, it's, okay, Pep's a little bit younger than, than, than Mourinho, but it's the personality. And my thing is, is can he change his personality traits well, to fit with the modern way football is going. Well, that's interesting because he was he was saying that the next club he wants to join needs to have a strong sense of what do you call it cultural empathy. Mm. Yeah. So, what he's saying is that the cultural empathy has got to match his him. personality yeah. rather than yeah. him actually Changing. buying in <laughs> or, uh, to to the cultural empathy of the of the club. Yeah. And you know maybe you could argue that Pep, you know, he's a very strong personality. Uh, but he's an integral part of of how Manchester City want to run that football club. Mm. And it, it, you know, it started when they got rid of Mancini and went to Pellegrini because because you know they felt that Pellegrini was more um, in tune with their holistic approach. So they've set the tone for that club. And it sounds like Mourinho is is saying that that's that's the thing. As 
but as long as it fits with, with how he operates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, so he has got man management mm. skills, mm, but they are of a particular type. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's the point he was probably trying to make, that he need, you know, he's not necessarily going to change, and he's won a, a huge number of trophies using those mm. skills. Yeah, yeah. So you just, there was just a poor alignment probably between him and Manchester United, but another club might be different. Yeah, and, and I think the clubs, the club, he'll find an owner who wants, you know, is, is ambitious, wants to mm-hmm. you know, take clubs up into the higher echelons, whether it's Champions Leagues, whatever, but he's also going to be able to you know, still spend the money because every club he goes into, he will spend 100, 200, 300 million on trying to bring in some of the players. So it's going to be an interesting space. We'll, uh, we'll see him. And, and uh, once again, our Mourinho minute is <laughs> five minutes. Yeah. So, okay, the, well. The move, move five min. Well, we'll cover yeah. and, um, and no doubt that next week we'll have more to say on Mr. Yes. Mourinho. So, yeah. hey, he's, uh, he's out there doing his bit. Right, okay, so any other business? Um, now, we've had, uh, certainly on the management side, uh, Mr. Ranieri's gone from Fulham. He's, uh, he's been sacked only, what was it, 16 games? And, um, you know, he's had his time, he had his you know, success at Leicester, but he just, sadly, doesn't seem to have been able to uh, replicate that. And was it, was it the right choice? That's the question. Clearly not. Mm. You know. Well, I mean, the, I suppose, yeah, have they just taken the view now that, that they're going to get relegated, Fulham? In yeah. the season, they put Scott Parker, I think, in charge until the end of the season. They have, yeah. Um, if they have taken that view and if, you know, if they feel comfortable with that, then it at least gives them lots of time to find the right manager. Mm. Um, mm. You know, they got rid of Ikanovic and brought Ranieri in straight away. It happens, you know, we talk about this every week, how, yeah. how, how, you know, how quickly they sack somebody and then bring somebody in. And, you know, maybe they have done some analysis on the manager that they want to bring in but how much of it is really objective understanding of how good that manager is and how he fits within the system as we, you know, we're just mm. talking about Mourinho yeah. in this context so um, yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do but I think if, if, if they do what they say then they're going to have plenty of time to do proper research and get a, you know, a good manager in for Fulham they spend an awful lot of money they're going to have two years of parachute payments if they do go down um, you know, it could put them in a strong position to, to, mm. to come back up again. And, you know, I think everybody has, uh, apart from perhaps Chelsea and some of the other London uh, supporters of London teams, but I think outside of London, people have a soft spot for, for Fulham. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you hope that they will succeed, but we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. I think they may, they may be approaching this the right way now. And they've got uh, Chelsea on Sunday. Yeah. Playing Chelsea and yeah. so exactly. uh, not a great one for him to yeah. take over, but uh, we'll see how that uh, all pans out. Um, okay, moving on, we have uh, Big Short. Chelsea, you still haven't watched the Big Short. I'm very, I haven't, yeah. you know, I'm I know, but hey, I know, I know, you're, you're busy with... But, uh, hey, I'll tell you what, the best quote is actually not a quote from, well, technically not a quote from okay. one of the characters in the Big Short, but if you remember at the beginning of the film, there's the Mark Twain Quote, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. Which said that um, oh, I've got to look at my iPad now. Uh, <laughs> it said it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble; it's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And that apply if you, you just let everybody have a little time to think about that. Just let someone, <laughs> but, let's, uh, <laughs> but but that feeds in neatly to to the Kante thing that you know you think you know mm. that Kante is not playing as well this season. Uh, that you know, as as you thought he was playing before. Yeah. Um, it you know that's the that's the last bit. It's, you know, it's what you think you know for sure, which just isn't so. And we we we've shown that that isn't the case. Actually, he is contributing more. So so that's it. That hey, that works much awesome. better than 
That was, that was a, a long quote. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, good one. Well, we'll have another one next week. And uh, probably from Chelsea because she'll have watched it by then. So, uh, good. Okay, well, guys, everything uh, everything done. I think uh, we've been had a good discussion uh, today. So, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And um, good luck with whatever you're doing this weekend. And uh, good luck to your teams. And we'll uh, be back on next Friday, usual time. 